Amen. That was great. I mean, it's always amazing to me how the world can change and the way that we come to church changes and the way that we do church changes, but he never changes. It reminds me of when God uses the donkey, right? Or he says, the rocks will cry out or he doesn't care how he gets to us. He will find, whether it's through a screen, through a person, whether it's through online or YouTube or Facebook or Instagram Live or wherever you are, whatever year you're in, he finds a way to us because that's all he cares about. He doesn't care about that church happens a specific way. He doesn't care that it goes according to our plans. He cares that his presence infiltrates the hearts of people and that we are forever changed and transformed through the power of his love. That's why we can watch a worship video and we can have better worship to a video sometimes than we used to have live. And I think that that sometimes is God almost just making it like, he's just kind of laughing in heaven, I feel, and saying, you know, you thought this was going to be a downgrade, but I'm about to upgrade your upgrade. I'm about to do something better with what you thought was supposed to be worse. And man, I love his ability to do that because his presence just makes whatever good. You know, Daniel could be in the lion's den, but in the presence of the Lord in the lion's den, it's exactly where he wanted to be. How many know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You could be in the fiery furnace. And because the presence of God is there, how many know they weren't kicking and screaming to get out? It doesn't say that in scripture. No, they were in the presence of the Lord in the fiery furnace. Come on, right? I could preach this morning. All right, let me actually get started and preach. Oh, I got a word of encouragement for you this morning. Um, you know, I've been spending, COVID has been really great for me, um, but I've really spent a, a very significant portion of my every day really just digging into the word of God and it's been challenging for some people. Obviously, I've talked about my challenges that I've gone through. But I got to tell you that I'm so thankful for the word of God, Amen. that there is a power in the word that has this amazing ability to transform even the most challenging of situations. And we, we're starting a new series this month, and it's called Have You Heard? And uh, I want to talk to us a little bit this morning about a better confidence, a better confidence. And I had this thought as I was preparing for this teaching a few weeks ago, and it was, it was this thought that everyone you see is facing battles that you don't know anything about. Let me say that again. Everyone you see, okay? So you see people on Instagram and on social media, and they're like, oh, you got it together, Right? Everyone you see is facing a battle that you don't know anything about. Now, it may not be obvious on the outside, but every single one of us is facing some sort of battle on the inside. I remember hearing a story one time years ago um, about a young pastor who was having a meeting with a guy in his congregation. We'll call him Steve for this story. And Steve was a young guy. He was about, you know, 21, 22 years old. And Steve wasn't the coolest guy. 
You know, he wasn't the hippest guy. He wasn't necessarily loved by all the ladies. He was, but he was a nice guy. He was a warm guy. And everyone generally loved Steve. And as this pastor recounts his story that, you know, that, that he was shocked when he got into this meeting with Steve. And as Steve begins to talk about his life and what's going on in his life, he says, you know, I've given this a lot of thought. And the conclusion that I have drawn based off of what's happening in my life is I think it's the best idea if, if I was to take my life. And he goes on to talk about how on the outside everything looks good, but on the inside he battles depression, he deals with severe anxiety, and he's honestly just tired of living his life alone. And this young pastor obviously, you know, unqualified for the information he has just received, kind of just like praise this desperate prayer. And out of this prayer, he, he has a thought because what was just told to him doesn't really make sense to him. And out of it, he has this thought and he sits in this meeting with Steve and encourages him. And he says, Steve, I feel like this is what God wants us to do. I believe that God wants us to write a list of a hundred things that you love about yourself. Now, at first, obviously, Steve coming in with his deduction that nothing good is good in his life, so he should therefore take his life, he struggles and kind of says, there's nothing that's good about my life. And the pastor kind of eggs him on and says, come on, there's got to be something that's good about your life. And he goes on to say, well, you know, I'm a fairly decent writer. And the pastor was like, okay, I've seen some of your stuff. And I'll say, you definitely are a good writer. And, you know, Steve goes on to say, you know, I, I feel that I'm funny. And given the situation of the, the meeting, the pastor's kind of like, okay, sure, funny. You know, and then he says, you know, people tell me that I look like a young Brad Pitt. Right? And the pastor's like, okay, you are funny because you look nothing like Brad Pitt. And he goes on to fill the front and the back of this piece of paper with a hundred things that he loves about himself and his life. The pastor and Steve lose contact for years and one day Steve shows back up in the pastor's church and they have this moment of embrace and the pastor is prompted to ask him, hey, do you still have that list of a hundred things? Steve reaches back into his wallet, pulls out the yellow piece of paper and goes to give it to the pastor. And the pastor kind of wants to stop him and says, you know, don't give that to me. You need that. And Steve says to him, you know, I, I no longer need this paper because these 100 things that I love about myself and that are good about my life are not only written on this paper, but now they've been written on my heart. I want to submit an idea this morning, and that is that we have no idea what God can do with a single word of encouragement. That we have no idea how God can use our words, that God, you have no idea how God can use our encouragement to build faith, to establish hope in the life of someone, to give life to someone who on the inside maybe feels like there's no reason for them to live. So this morning, we're going to talk about this, a better confidence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we thank you so much for 
what you're doing in our life, that you're using a season of struggle to establish a deeper sense of, of confidence, a deeper sense of truth in our hearts. Because we know this is the way that we are refined. It is through challenge that it was not sent to harm us, but it was sent to help us. It was sent to strengthen us. We ask that your word would illuminate our minds this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So everyone is facing a battle that we don't know anything about. And it's pretty obvious to see, you know, there's so much negativity in the world right now, right? I mean, I was just having a conversation, the, I think it was last night, I was at my Aunt Jenny's house, we were having dinner together, and I was talking about how, you know, you can't even, you can't go on social media, you can't turn on the news, I mean, everywhere you go, someone is talking about something terrible that's happening in the world. Our world is so polarized, it feels that we can't even unite in a group of people because there's so many issues in the world that we can divide on. There's injustice that's happening in the world and our eyes are being opened to things that people throughout history have struggled with. And I believe now more than ever is our time as believers where we can begin to step in and shine because in the midst of the challenge, we carry a word of encouragement that has the ability to bring life where there otherwise has not been any life. But I've got to say, right, I have definitely had enough of the negative, discouraging voices in the world, right? Like, like, here's the truth. Like, I don't need any friends like Job had, right? Anybody, everybody know the story of Job, right? If you don't know the story of Job, I'll tell you. Job in the Bible, it, it's a great book to read because it's very insightful, but you know, like you need to read it with a box of tissues, okay? Because it's, it's just a horrible story. I mean, this guy, Job, is essentially doing his best to serve God, and he goes through tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Basically, by the middle of the book, there's nothing good in Job's life anymore. And in the midst of this, Job has these friends, the worst friends. And these friends are coming to him time after time, and they're like, you know, this is your fault, and they're telling him, you know, you deserve this, and this is this, and you know, you shouldn't have sinned, and they're casting blame. I think that Job's worst friend, truthfully, in the story was his wife, right? When finally, after everything, his, his wife's synopsis is, you know, you should just curse God and die, okay? Like, that's the worst kind of friend there is. But, but I love the way that Job responds, in Job chapter 16, verses 2, he says this. He says, I've heard this all before, right? How many of you know that the negative news, the doom and the gloom, everything is coming to an end, everything is going to crash, right? How many of you would say, we heard this all before, right? It just changed the, changed the thing we're talking about, right? And Job says, I've heard this all before, he says this, what miserable comforters you are, right? 
I mean, verse three is, you know, if I wasn't a pastor, I would love to be able to say this to some people. You know, he says this, he says, won't you ever stop blowing hot air? <laughs> right, like wouldn't you just love to say that sometimes to some negative voices in your life? He says this, what makes you keep on talking? Verse four says this, I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off criticism. I could shake my head at you. But verse five says this, Job says, but if it were me, turn to your neighbor and say, if it were me. Job says, if it were me. He's saying, you can do this. And if I was you, I could do the very same thing to you because it's easy to find reasons to criticize. It's easy to find reasons to shake your head and point your finger. But Job says this, he says, but if it were me, I would encourage you. He says, I would try to take away your grief. He says, listen, if it were me, I would use my words to give life. I would use my words to inspire hope. I would use my words not to try to tear you down, but I would use my words to build your faith. He says, if it were me, I would be the most encouraging voice on this side of heaven. And we could ask why, and, and it's given to us in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, where we learn that words have power. The words that you speak to people have power. It says this in Proverbs 18, 21. It says the tongue, which how many of you know the tongue is the thing that we use to say our words? The tongue has the power of life and it has the power of death. And so Job is saying, if it were me, I would use my words to give life rather than what you're doing and what so often is the easier thing to do, which is to sow words of discord, criticism, and death. I mean, I don't know about you, but I want my words. I'm sure that all of you would sit here right now and say, I want all of my words to build faith. Yeah. I want all of my words that are spoken to strengthen someone's confidence. I want it to make you believe that God is for you, that he'll never leave you, that no matter how bad it looks, he'll never forsake you that no matter what it seems like you're going through, no matter how down you are on yourself, that you're called and you're chosen and you've been set apart to do something amazing for God. Job says, if it were me, I would use my words to inspire life. Why? Because everyone you see is fighting a battle that you don't know anything about. I mean, I love how the writer of Hebrews says it. In chapter, Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, he says it like this. But encourage one another daily. Encourage one another. You know, when everything seems, when, there's, when they've done something really, no, he says, encourage one another daily. He says, as long as it's called today. 
right? Like I love sometimes how the Bible really like captures our attention and reminds us that, listen, as long as you call it, to, he's making it real simple for us. As long as you call today the day that you're living in, encourage each other. He says, so that none of you may be hardened by sins to see. And what does sin do? Very simply, sin lies, sin distracts, sin destroys, sin tries to make us feel that we can find happiness outside of God's will. Sin tries to tell you that you don't have what it takes. It tries to tell you that you can't do the thing that you feel you need to do. It tries to tell you that all the reasons why you don't matter to anyone. And here's the truth. We all face discouragement, this kind of discouragement daily. I mean, I know I do, that every day when I wake up, some lie tries to pop into my head to make me feel as though I can't accomplish or succeed in the mission that God has given to me. And this is why I need encouragement daily. Because it's not like the negativity takes a break. It's not like you can feel like, listen, devil, right? Like, I need a day off, right? I, I can remember I used to pray that all the time. And, and I used to complain to God and say that. Like, can I just get a day off? But this is why the scripture admonishes us to give encouragement daily because we don't know the battles that people are facing. And not a day goes by that we don't hear the negative voices. Not a day goes by where we feel like we can't keep going. But here's the thing, because I know that I need encouragement, because I'm aware that I need someone daily to come to me and encourage me, I know that I have to give it generously, right? Because I know I need it, I'm gonna give it. Because I know I need it daily, I'm gonna give it daily, okay? Now, here's the thing. When I talk about being encouraging, I know that some of you are gonna say, you know, I just don't have that gift, <laughs> right? Like my Aunt Jenny, she's got the gift. If you need encouragement, talk to her. But listen, honey, I just don't got, I'm just not good at it. It doesn't come naturally to me. I'm naturally more of a, what do we say? Like I'm a realist, right? I'm just naturally more of a problem solver, right? Which is another way of saying I'm just critical and judgmental, right? I'm just really good at noticing all the things that are wrong all the time. And this is what I realized, right? Neither was walking, right? We were talking last night about my daughter when she first started walking and, you know, how at first it's, you know, she kind of looks like a drunk baby deer. You know, they're like, you know, wobbling and trying to, right? But here's the thing, like, just because when she was starting to learn how to walk and wobbling, I didn't just like push her over and be like, give up. It's over. 
If you were gonna be good at it, you'd be good at it already. Sorry. It looks like you're gonna crawl the rest of your life, right? But here's the thing is that, or let me say it like this, if we want to learn how to do it, because encouragement is a skill. Anybody who encourages, can I tell you, anybody who encourages, it's not that they don't also see the negative in people's lives. Anybody who is an encourager has learned how to encourage. They've actively, in some season of their life, proactively chosen to call out the gold rather than to call out the garbage. Okay? Is that like some of us are just blind to bad things? So if you want to learn how to encourage, I'm going to tell you this simple, absolutely game-changing rule. Okay? You ready for this? I can tell because all you got all your notebooks out. Not. Just kidding. This is the simple game-changing rule. If you think something good, say it. I mean, that's it. Like, I mean, I spent all this time to come here today to tell you, if you think something good about someone, say it. If you think something good about someone, text it, right? If you think something, right, like our phone isn't just used to be able to get on social media. No, you know, you could just as easily as every time you check social media, here's a challenge for you. Every time you check social media, tell yourself, now I need to text somebody something encouraging. Of, I mean, some of us will be sending out like 500 texts a day. If you think something encouraging, send it, call them, text them, write them a letter, find a way to send them a telegram, right? But this is how we encourage each other daily. Imagine that. If just this room of 100 people determined that every day, I'm just gonna, every time I think something good, I'm gonna send it out. Come on, imagine how that would change your life. If you knew every day you were gonna get like five to 10 encouraging texts, DMs, phone calls, I mean, you would like, you couldn't wait to get out of bed in the morning because you couldn't wait to hear the amazing things that someone else is gonna say about you. Come on, how would that change our lives? And this is why Job says, if it were me. Listen, it's easy to gossip. It's easy to judge. But Job says this, I'm gonna use my words to inspire life. I've realized, why would I ever want to rob someone a blessing that just goes unexpressed? I mean, I've learned that this is the best thing for, if you're struggling in a relationship, if your marriage isn't quite going the way you wanted it to go, if your children is acting a fool and you're like, what is up, kids? If you're in a position of leadership, you run a business, you whatever it is, can I tell you the quickest way to change your relationship is to bless the people in your life with encouragement. I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. 
just when you think it, set it free. Right? Like, we all think good things. Right? Like, Barb, you're so encouraging. Like, every time I preach, she comes up to me after church, and she's got something. She, like, hunts me down. Right? Like, when I tell Danielle what time I'm going to be home, I'll be like, I'll be home at 11. I'll be like, no, 11.15, because Barb is going to hunt me down. She's going to have something good. Right? But come on, how easy was that? That was like five seconds of my life. Then now she's going to think about, and she's going to talk about, and Barika's going to say it back to her. And come on, it's going it, to, one word can change us so radically. And here's the thing, not just once or twice. Because I've learned, it was really easy for me to compliment Danielle on our honeymoon, right? Like, I mean, no woman had ever looked so good. No food had ever been so tasty, right? But it's not just once or twice. I've actually tried to do this thing, and, and it's hard because, like I said, I can definitely be critical and notice things. You know, I'm one of those problem solvers, right? Where <laughs> and so I've determined, and I made this decision a few years back, and, and it was that, you know, for every negative or critical word that I speak, I'm going to undo it by trying to say a hundred things that are encouraging. I'm going to try to speak a hundred good things. Now, I'll tell you, some days, some days it's like I would have to speak like 10,000 positive words because I'm just having a day. But can I tell you, I become aware of the fact that when I speak something negative, I'm not just going to undo it by saying something positive no, for every negative, critical, judgmental word that I speak, I'm going to go so above and beyond to solidify this person's reality of who they actually are in Christ. Now, you might think this is unreasonable because I don't know who you're married to, right? But this is like what Paul says, right? He says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. He says only words that will be helpful and that will build someone else up. Think about how your relationship would change if everything that you said was positive. I mean, that's the truth. I would rather my child hear a hundred times more what I see in her, what I believe about her, the hope that I have for her future, the goodness and the talents and the amazing future that God has for her, then she knows all the things that are wrong about her. I think about this. If you have a husband or you are believing God for a future husband, I'll give you a tip. Criticism never changed any man, right? I mean, don't tell him what he's not. Don't tell him what he's not good at who he's not, how he should be, right? Oh, you're not a spiritual leader, right? You don't even want to wake up and go to church in the morning. Can I tell you something? When you criticize, it makes someone not even want to try to be good, right? They just cower and hide to try to escape the criticism. Instead, encourage him, right? Like if you can't get your husband to take you to church and you sit on the couch and you watch church online, 
right? You just say to him, oh, I just love it. Baby, I love it when you take us to church. Ooh, the presence of the Lord in our house is so good. You are such a good spiritual leader. Can I tell you something? I mean, he's going to be turning on the church stream 45 minutes early just so that he could hear it, right? Or let's say you're like sitting down for Thanksgiving and he prays just a bad prayer. You're like, have you never prayed before? Instead of criticizing him, right, you just want to like rub his thigh under the table and whisper in his ear, baby, I love it when you pray, right? I promise you, he will pray when he's taking out the garbage. And yes, wives, you can do this. Why? Because you encourage the behavior that you want to see. And here's the truth. When you encourage behavior, you will typically see that behavior more. This is why Job says, if it were me. Why? Because we all face the choice. Job says, listen, I could be you. I could stand out and call out all the negative things. I mean, anybody can do that. But he says, if it were me, I'd be encouraging. I'd think good things about you. I'd find good things. Honestly, sometimes there's some people that I talk to that I literally just make up good things about them because I either don't know them enough or they potentially don't have anything good about them. Sometimes I just make things up and say them about them. Like the word says, call those things that be not as though they were, yeah. right? Because in a world that has so much negativity, so much criticism, so much insecurity, we have no idea how much God can heal through a single word of encouragement. Can I tell you, God can heal your marriage. Your words can instill hope in a lost, desperate child. You can change someone's life, their destiny, through a single word of encouragement. And here's the truth. If nothing else, you're sowing seeds that one day you know you're going to need to reap a harvest of these seeds. Because here's the thing. Everyone is facing a battle. And sometimes the person who needs the most encouragement is you. Everyone's facing a battle, and that includes me. You know, so often, you know, because a lot of people, their relationship with me or their perception of me is, you know, based off of this, you know, five by four platform, and they'll say to me, like, man, you just got everything together. Like, you got, like, your wife is hot. Your kid is adorable. You just got it all together. Right? They see me smiling. They see you smiling on the outside, but they don't know the hurt of what's going on on the inside. You look like you're so confident. You got it all together. But part of you is horribly insecure on the inside. You appear like you have it all together, but on the inside, you are honestly falling apart and can barely get out of bed in the morning. 
here's the truth. Job says, if it were me, I'd be encouraging. Why? Because Job knows. Sometimes the person who needs to be encouraged is me. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm closing with this story. That David and his army arrive in this place called Ziklag. And there's a lot of very significant things that are happening contextually around this story that I'm not going to get into for the sake of time. But essentially, you know, the enemies have come while they were out in battle. The enemies have come back to this place, Ziklag, where David was camped and they burned the city to the ground. The Bible says that they took their wives, they, they took their children captive and everybody starts blaming David. David and his men break down and cry. In fact, in some translations in the scripture, it says they cried until they had no more tears to cry. His city burns down, his wife and children are taken captive, and now his own men turn on him. They like are rising up, you know, let's kill David, and this is all your fault. Our city is burned because of you. My family has been taken captive. It's all your fault. And his friends have now turned into his enemies. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. It says, David was now in great danger because all of his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. But then it says this. It says, David found strength in the Lord his God. That word that he found strength, it's this word shazak, right? Not shazam. Shazak. And this word, it actually means, because sometimes we could feel that there was some miraculous God intervention. Sometimes we cry out to God and feel that because God doesn't in an instant make us feel better that we've done something wrong or something isn't right. But this word, David found strength, that word shazak actually means to tell yourself to be strong. It, it, the, the word literally implies that David starts talking to himself, okay? Not that God talks to him, because God's about to talk to him in a moment that we're gonna read about. But at this point, when David finds strength, He's finding strength, not because God is downloading this amazing reality to him. He finds strength because he starts talking to himself. Come on, we, I, I, I want us to catch this, right? It's not that he gets in a worship service and God just overwhelms. No, he's about to get stoned by his best friends. And he starts talking to himself about how good God is. Come on, some people will say he starts preaching to himself. 
he's reminding himself about the nature of God, reminding himself about the goodness of God, reminding himself about the faithfulness of God. And then it says this in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8, it says, then David asks the Lord, okay? So at this point, he's not even talking to God. At this point, he's just rehearsing, talking to himself about all of the good things of God, right? My friends want to stone me. Everything, <coughs> excuse me, everything in my life is falling apart, right? But I'm just focusing and I'm choosing to talk myself into a better mood. Then it says this, then David asked the Lord, should I chase after the band of raiders? Because sometimes in order to hear the voice of God, you got to pull yourself out of the pit that you're in. Sometimes you're wondering, where is God? And God's saying, I'm right here. You just dug yourself so deep down into that pity pit. He says, should I chase after the band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord said, yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything the Lord has taken. When does the word of the Lord come? When does it come? It didn't come before. How many of you know when David is weeping and lamenting and crying, God could have said this word? But when does the word come? The word comes after David encourages himself. How many of you know, I think about this, that David could have stayed and cried. He could have blamed God. He could have felt pity. And you know what? He might have missed his word. He may have never gone and done the very thing he could have done to recover everything. Sometimes you got to put on the expectation. Sometimes you got to stand in the middle of your trouble and say, it's bad. But God, I know that you're good. I've tested your faithfulness. I've seen your goodness. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death before. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abba, I'm coming out without even the smell. Not because it's good right now. I mean, what do we know? We know that positive words are difficult to remember and negative words are difficult to forget. Right? Like, are you like this? Like, you could hear 10 compliments and one word of criticism and all you can think about is the criticism. I remember this when I used to play hockey. My, we, I would play the game and my dad would be there coaching and he would tell me all the amazing things that I did and he would say like one negative thing. I've talked about this before. It would always be like circle towards the puck. Right? That was always the thing. Circle towards the puck. Like, don't take your eye off the puck. Just circle towards the puck. And I would go home lamenting. And my mom would be like, Ian, what did you say to him? And he'd be like, I praised him the whole drive home and literally just said, circle towards the puck. Right? My dad was funny, like, you little baby. Like, grow up, man. But here's the thing, right? Can't we be like that? And I mean, neurologists have even noticed this, that that our brain believes a negative word immediately, but it takes at least 15 seconds of focus to even start to believe that the positive is possible. This is why what we say to ourselves matters. I mean, when you read the Psalms, you see this. I love reading the book of Psalms because you know, I kind of feel bad for David because it could have been like his private journal, you know? And like he's in heaven and like everybody for millennia is now reading his private thoughts before the Lord, right? 
But we get to see this inner dialogue that David has with the Lord. And three times, three separate times in scripture, David writes this. He asks himself, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so downcast? I mean, maybe we need to ask ourselves that sometimes. I mean, sometimes I wake up in the morning or sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I can't fall back asleep. And I got to ask myself, like, why are you so downcast? Like, is everything perfect? No. But do you have more good than bad? What does he say? Why are you so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you so depressed? Why are you so down? Why are you so discouraged? Can I tell you, we don't have to live that way because we know the goodness, the nature, the truth, the power, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the grace and mercy of our loving heavenly father. So how does David encourage himself? I'll tell you, he doesn't say like, David, you're the man. Everybody's against you, but bro, you got you. And David, you're enough. And he doesn't say that. He doesn't talk in the mirror and be like, you're so handsome, David. And you're just the best lead. That's not what he's doing. The Bible says he encourages himself. Why? Because there's a better confidence. There's a better security. There's a better encouragement than just thinking good things about yourself. And sometimes you got to talk those things to your, sometimes you got to preach those things to yourself. That it's not me. Like I say this a lot of times in my inner dialogue with myself, as I'm starting to doubt all the different things and I'll like stop myself and I'll be like, you're right, I can't do it. And that typically will like shut the voice up in my head because it's like, whoa. But then I say, it was never about me. Doing this was never about me. It was never, I mean, I couldn't breathe without the grace and the anointing of God. This was never about how good I could do something. It was never about me. This isn't about me. This is about God in me. He's the faithful one. He's the good one. He's the anointed one. He is the power. This was never about me. This is why you gotta have a hundred reasons sometimes that you could preach to yourself. Things that God says about you, that he is your provider, that he is your protector, that he is good, that no matter what you're going through in your life, whether you can see him or feel him or not, he is present. That even before you went through this trouble, he knew you were gonna be here and he's already way thousands of years ago before there was even the world, he was already planning how this was gonna turn out to be good for you. When that voice says that the relationship is done, you're done, it's never gonna recover. You just step back and you say, it was never about me. It's God working in me. That I'm the righteousness of God. That I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb. That I'm a child of the living God. I'm a joint heir in Christ. I'm an ambassador. I carry the highest level of authority from heaven that I'm free from sin. I'm free from the law. I've got the mind of Christ that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus is living, active and alive on the inside of me. When I find myself depressed or discouraged, 
when I feel afraid, I remind myself that I am God's workmanship, that I've been created to do the good works of heaven, that I'm a new creature in Christ. The old me is passed away, that I'm the light of the world. I'm the salt of the earth, that I'm more than a conqueror in Christ that I'm the head and I'm not the tail, that I'm blessed when I go in and I'm blessed going out. You can put me in the country, in the city. You can put me at the top or the bottom. Why? Because I'm seated in heavenly places. That God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, that no weapon that's formed against me can prosper Because if God is for me, who can be against me? So whatever you're going through, be encouraged. Because you're not alone. God is with you. His promises are for you. His word is alive. And his grace is enough. So if it were me, I would choose to encourage because we have no idea what God can do with a single word of life. So Father, this morning, we stand in awe of the simplicity of your word. That though at times we can feel stuck or lost, that you have always made a way of escape. You said that your word is the the light and the lamp that illuminates where to go. You said the steps of the righteous are ordered. And we thank you that you've given us everything that we need to succeed. We choose this morning to focus on those truths, not the negative voices, Not the news, not the naysayers, not the critics, but we choose your words because your words are enough. Your words are truth, they're life, they're light, they're hope, they're peace, and they are faithful. And we thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.